Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Why is the ACC down in basketball this year? I'll tell you the starting point after which you can go in a lot of different directions. But if you don't know this starting point, you'll never understand March Madness or why there have been all these questions about the ACC not having nearly as many NCAA-worthy teams as it usually does. We'll talk NBA with Rick Bennell, the Charlotte Observer, in about 30 minutes. We do have some floating questions of the day. Given that a Dallas TV station has dug out actual complaints filed by Super Bowl viewers to the Federal Communications Commission, they found 1,312 of them. We are asking you somewhat seriously, but others have taken it tongue-in-cheek. If you wrote to the FCC right after watching J-Lo and Shakira and their provocative halftime performance, what would you have said? 1-800-849-2761. You know how this works. It's kind of like being Brian Kersey or another ACC basketball supervisor of officials. When your phone rings and it's a coach, it's never to tell you you did a great job. So nobody's calling the FCC or writing to the FCC saying, wow, J-Lo and Shakira were fantastic. You got 1,312 complaints, 55 the year before when Adam Levine was shirtless and strutting his stuff, 1,312 this time. By the way, they had like half a million the year that they had that wardrobe malfunction where Janet Jackson's breast was briefly exposed, or at least part of it. That was the all-time record for Super Bowl halftime performance complaints, uh, a half a million and counting. 1-800-849-2761. If you wrote to the FCC, what would you have said? Can you translate David Tepper, Cam Newton, and Matt Rule as they are discussing Cam's future with or without the Panthers? The NFL Combine is in Indianapolis. NFL Players Association Executive Director Damaris Smith was just quoted this afternoon from the Combine in Indianapolis where he is meeting with agents, among other things. He's quoted saying that he expects more than half of the members of the NFLPA, they're the ones that matter now. Remember, the owners have approved this new CBA. The player representatives were divided. The guys from each team that represent their locker rooms, they were divided, but there were more yeses than noes. It was close, though. And when you have J.J. Watt of the Texans, Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, Aaron Rodgers, who is also a player rep of the Packers, saying no way to this proposal that they see as too owner-friendly and not enough for current and, and former NFL players, the question was going to become, can they still get more yes votes than no votes? All they need is a simple majority to pass this. There are 2,000-plus NFLPA members. The NFL did a really smart thing when it comes to negotiations. The owners made sure that the lowest salary in the NFL was going to be bumped up by six figures. Well, there are a lot of dudes whose names you don't know who make the lowest NFL salary. And if you want to change their minds quickly, why do you write in? The biggest complaints, remember, are gone from 16 regular season games to 17 regular season games. We get more wear and tear while we want a lot in return for that. Well, when you include a clause that says the lowest NFL salary goes from here to here, whom are you targeting? It's pretty transparent, right? If you're just a regular Joe in the NFL and you find out if you say yes to this proposal – your salary will increase by $100,000. I mean, you might make, I mean, by our standards, it's a lot of money. By pro athlete standards, if you're making $500,000, another 100000 or so means a lot to you and your family. NFL careers don't always last long. 
So if you're making six or seven thousand a year instead of four or five thousand a year, and you're only in the league for two or three years, that's not a little thing. So the NFL owners are being crafty here. Some of the wealthier players are saying, "Man, don't sell your soul for current and future generations, and even the retired NFL players." By reaching for that $100,000 raise because you have a minimum salary right now when the balance of this stuff favors the owners and not us as the players. When Damaris Smith, the executive director of the NFLPA, says he expects more yes votes than no votes, that matters. Everybody else is speculating. To him, it's a little speculation, but he knows these guys. He collects straw poll votes. He knows a lot of the players personally. We could... If you're one of those neutral observers that doesn't care how the owners and the players split their pie, you just want 11 more years of labor peace. According to Damaris Smith, you are that much closer to that reality right now. We'll, of course, keep you up to date. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. In case you didn't know, the current CBA has only one more year to run. So it's not like there would be a strike or a lockout or anything like that this coming season automatically. But both sides and their TV partners are going to feel a lot more comfortable if they sign this agreement that would go through all the way to 2030, meaning 11 NFL seasons will come and go before they have to revisit this stuff, that is long-term labor peace in America's most popular sport. Will they get there? Well, it's at least on the doorstep. We'll see if they can get it over the goal line. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. In ESPN reported earlier today that Tom Brady is open to new, a new NFL home next month when he com- becomes a free agent. Many are rolling their eyes at this report. Some are personally attacking. I think it was Jeff Darlington of ESPN who was the author of that report. Believe what you want to believe. Tom Brady's truly going to be a free agent in less than a month. We can't really have much more of an update on him until he reaches that new start of the NFL calendar year, if you will. So that's the speculation that he is telling friends or that's the report that he is telling friends he is open to teams not named the New England Patriots. Believe it or not, at your own discretion, 1-800-849-2761. And I mentioned that today is the first day that on-the-field stuff is happening in Indianapolis. Prior to this, it's been all meetings, face-to-face interviews between players and teams and coaches, medical stuff, et cetera. Remember, Tua Tungavaloa, the quarterback at Alabama, said that he spent almost 10 straight hours getting poked and prodded by medical personnel, in his case because he has a complicated series of injuries. Today, some are on the field, and it's actually nationally televised in some cases. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends today are doing things like the vertical leap and position drills and broad jump and 40-yard dash and shuttle drills, etc. There will be actual throwing and catching of the ball. Now, some are not doing that part. Joe Burrow of LSU sitting out. Tua is still hurt. Alabama sitting out. Thaddeus Moss, remember him, formerly of NC State, became a record-setting tight end for national champion LSU. He's at the combine. He is also sitting out, which must mean he likes his draft position a lot because I'm not aware of any physical limitations there. So QBs, wide receivers, and tight ends today on the field. Offensive linemen and running backs are bench-pressing today. Defensive linemen and linebackers are getting their medicals today, and DBs are getting measurements and psychological testing. Now, in case you didn't know, since the quarterbacks are finally in the spotlight on the field, 
It is not just Joe Burrow of LSU who appears likely to be picked by the home state Cincinnati Bengals at number one overall. It's not just Tua who, if he can convince people he's healthy, is going to be a top five or six pick as well in all likelihood. And it's not just Justin Herbert of Oregon. All three of those guys are there. All three are expected to be first half of the first round picks. Or if you want to put it differently with the Panthers having the number seven overall pick and all of this quarterback uncertainty, Cam Newton and otherwise, all three of those guys are expected to be selected prior to the Panthers at seven, assuming the Panthers stay at number seven. So maybe Burrow to the uh, Bengals, maybe I know the San, the uh, L.A. Chargers have Justin Herbert on their board, and maybe it would be the Dolphins or somebody else, the Lions maybe, that take a, a flyer on Tua Valoa. Reminder, since this is in the spotlight now, there are 17 quarterbacks on hand. So the other 14, not quite as famous as those three, and not quite as assured of their draft status in all likelihood of those three. You remember when Utah State played Wake Forest this year, they had a star quarterback named Jordan Love. There are people who believe that guy from Utah State can convince people he's worthy of a first-round draft pick. Will that happen? I don't know, but these are the kinds of environments where you can change people's minds. They usually say the rule of thumb at the NFL Combine is don't give teams reasons to dislike you. In other words, like just don't give them any red flags. Get there and get out without scaring them about your medicals or your weight or your off-the-field transgressions. Just get in and get out. They probably liked you already. Don't give them a reason not to like you. In some other exceptional cases, you've got to convince them that you're worthy of that high pick. Jake Fromm of Georgia, who's known as a really good decision maker and has played in a pro-style offense but might not have the physical ability, the arm that NFL scouts tend to like at QB. Jordan loves the opposite. Like, Fromm has played with and against SEC competition. There's no question there. They're just not sure whether he's ready to be a, a first-round caliber quarterback at the NFL level. Jordan Love, of course, there's all sorts of questions about his competition level playing at Utah State, but he is bigger, stronger, bigger arm, and according to a lot of the prototypes, He's an even better prospect than a Jake Fromm of Georgia. Again, 17 quarterbacks on hand. Remember Kelly Bryant from Clemson and then Missouri? He is one of those 17 as well. No quarterbacks from our backyard. But if you follow App State, Darrington Evans, your running back is there. Akeem Davis-Gaither, who I think was the player of the year on defense in the Sun Belt, a linebacker, he's there. A Carolina fan, it's Charlie Heck, offensive lineman. His dad played in the league. Uh, also, Jason Strobridge, defensive lineman. They're both there representing the Tar Heels. Lorel Murchison and DG Show listener James Smith-Williams, both defensive linemen, are there representing the Wolfpack. Wake has Isang Bassi, their corner. Justin Haran, their lineman. Justin Sternad, their linebacker, uh, representing the Demon Deacons. And the Charlotte 49ers actually have three players there. I couldn't find any ECU or Duke guys there, so it's just a down year for the Devils and the Pirates in that regard. But three members of the Charlotte 49ers, they have a defensive end named Alex Highsmith, who was a college All-American, an offensive lineman named Cameron Clark, and a running back named Benny LeMay. Obviously, the 49ers program has been revitalized by young coach Will Healy 
uh, a little example of NFL caliber talent on display from the 49ers in Indianapolis. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Rick Pinnell will drop by on all things NBA in about 20 minutes. We'll get to more of your phone calls on the other side. Why is the ACC down in basketball this year overall, especially in terms of quality depth? Who is your ACC player of the year or coach of the year if you have one? Our ballots are due in a little bit more than a week. And if you wrote to the FCC after watching J-Lo and Shakira, what would you have said? 1,312 people did file complaints. Those became public a little bit earlier today. 1-800-849-2761. More on the NBA, the Carolina Hurricanes, Congress discussing how you buy your sports tickets. That's a wild one. And more from the Indianapolis Combine. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on the David Glenn Show. Dabo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80, <laughs> 80 zero. the original Death Valley, <laughs> you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Rick Bennell, the Charlotte Observer, on all things NBA. We'll talk LeBron and Zion and Hornets guard Malik Monk suspended indefinitely without pay for violating the league's anti-drug program. That was created, by the way, way back in the 1980s. There are a lot of players, including some from our backyard, who jeopardized and or ruined their pro careers because back in the 70s and 80s, man, there were a lot of guys snorting the profits, other guys with alcohol issues. It got so bad that in the 80s, the NBA had to address it. There have not been as many suspensions through this drug policy in more recent decades, but Malik Monk of the Hornets suspended indefinitely for violating the league's anti-drug program. 1-800-849-2761. If you want in on the J-Lo, Shakira, Cam Newton questions of the day, or the college basketball ones, why is the ACC down in basketball this year? And if you have a strong vibe for a player or coach, who is your league's player of the year or coach of the year? Leonard Hamilton of Florida State is emerging as a candidate for the latter. In my eyes, Seminoles have a shot to finish in first place for the first time on his watch over 18 years. Player of the year, there are several good candidates. Vernon Carey of Duke, Trey Jones of Duke, all, both mentioned in that. A guy like Jordan Wara of Louisville has been on that list for most of the year. Elijah Hughes of Syracuse has had a great year. Uh, John Mooney of Notre Dame is another first-team All-ACC candidate. You can chime in on those college basketball issues as we look forward to a weekend that will include a huge game for State hosting Pitt. A big game for Florida State visiting Clemson. If you want to finish first, that's another one you got to win. And number seven, Duke tries to bounce back from those recent losses at unranked NC State, at unranked Wake Forest. With a tougher challenge, the Blue Devils are headed to UVA to take on the Cavaliers on Saturday night. 1-800-849-2761. As I remind you the starting point for why the ACC is down this year. A question for you, if you have ever purchased tickets to sporting events or concerts. And Darren, you can chime in on this if you like. Right now, in front of members of the United States Congress, they are discussing how stuff works in that dark corner of the sports world, really under scrutiny right now, with COOs and CEOs from these major ticket companies 
getting grilled by various, in one case, a House committee that has received so many consumer complaints from concert goers, but also in large numbers sports fans, that after a decade or so of complaining, it is truly right there in front of Congress as we speak. Have you ever been frustrated while trying to figure out your actual cost to buy tickets to a game or a concert? Do you buy enough stuff online? Is, are you and I so spoiled as members of the media that we rarely have to buy <laughs> such things? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, have you ever, maybe in a concert setting, I can't speak for every website. I've used many of them. But I do know this. It is really hard to figure out what your total cost is. In sure. other, in other yeah. words, the number you see first will always have in asterisk or in small print, you know, plus fees or whatever. And it's not like you can get to the final ticket price without giving them your name, your phone number, your email address, and all the rest. Or certainly not if you go through with the whole transaction. In my experience, maybe there's exceptions out there. If you go all the way to the purchase point, you are finding out the true price. I mean, at the one-yard line. Like, yeah. you've like gone... the only thing that's left to do is enter credit card information Correct. and pay that fee. The, totally. That total cost. I yeah. mean, you, you've, already, you've already given them all sorts of information. And then, from the studies I've seen, the bonus for them, not for us, the, the extra fees and charges that kind of come out of nowhere, the average is somewhere in the 25% range. In other words, you see the ticket price, and then maybe you're buying two or four tickets. What you should expect at the end on web, some websites is as low as 10%, the extra fees and, and you know, hidden costs, et cetera. And on sub, some websites, it's as high as 40%. And there were even large ticket companies that years ago tried to become the transparent ones. So they're kind of trying to do it the right way. And what did they find when they were more transparent? They got penalized for it. The consumers would do their searches, and then the transparent company would have their number pop up in the search as the most expensive. Why? Because they were being the most honest. They were trying to be transparent, and they were losing sales. So not everybody in front of Congress is saying, we don't want to change. Some of them are saying, we want to change, but as long as you actually enforce it. Because if we change and start posting these sports tickets prices more accurately, hey, this is with fees, but everybody else stays to the old way, we're going to keep losing customers. Most people do things quickly and while distracted, and they're not doing the deeper dive. So isn't that weird? Imagine, Darren, living in a world where doing all the things the wrong way, the most corrupt, the most lawless way, and you get, you get benefits for that. Imagine such a nightmarish world that could exist in any context, George Orwellian or otherwise. Well, it's happening here. And some of the CEOs are saying, if everybody will do it, we're in favor of transparency. If not everybody's going to do it, or you make this new rule, but you have no way to enforce it, and all these fly-by-night operations are going to give everybody the low thing and then hit them with the 40% upcharge right at the purchase, and we're going to try to be honest and try to be open and try to be fair. And in all the search engines, we're going to look like we're 25% more expensive than everybody else. I can feel their pain on that. They're trying to be right and they're being do it the right way. They're trying to be honest with us and they're getting penalized for it. Here's another one. Have you ever jumped onto a, into a queue, as they like to call it, in Europe? Online. Are you in queue? Is that in your terminology? 
<laughs> if you're if you're waiting for a ride in Disney World, yeah. Here we just say we're in line, right? A lot a lot of parts of the world they say you're in queue. Anyway, when you're buying tickets, did you know that you're in queue? Yeah, you can tell that it's you're this in this little loop, ticket right? buying purgatory middle ground Correct. sort of thing. Yeah. Correct. And sometimes it's scary because you're not sure they know you're there. Yeah, and usually it, usually reserved for like larger concerts if you're trying to get in as they release tickets that second or, or that day. Among the other things Congress is going after today, somebody did a study on this. What would you guess – is the percentage, let's say that you're fit, who's your favorite performer or give me anyone, I'm not going to hold you to your yeah. all-time okay. favorite. So, so I recently purchased tickets to what's called the Hella Mega Tour. It's Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer, and cool. they're performing this coming summer at Major League Baseball ballparks. Would you have around. known that I would like something like that? Yeah. Or would you yeah, think yeah. No, I just... know Green Day's on your radar, right, cool. for sure. Uh, even Weezer. Yeah. Don't don't I? No, don't. we play a lot. I play a lot of Weezer for bumps here. No yeah. age discrimination on the David Glenn show, Darren. I'll get you for that, man. Don't don't make false assumptions just because I'm from an older generation than you are. Have you ever looked? And, okay, I don't know what time of day they first went on sale, but have you ever like I don't know? Some people are I'm a Buffett guy. Some people are that way about this band or that. So you go to that site at the exact time, maybe even try to log in early, and they say, yep. oh, they're not for sale yet, and then you think you got it right at. Fill in the blank, 10 a.m. I was over here doing prep for our show on a, a rando Friday back in the fall, at, and I think it was 10 a.m. is when they uh, became available, and I'm using my air quotes. Wait till you hear this. Have you ever gotten in at the right time only to be told no more tickets are available? I mean, this has happened. I've seen it happen, and it's incredibly frustrating because, again, you think you do it the right way. Why are these issues in front of Congress? Because enough people complained about this. Wait a minute. I logged in right exactly at 10 o'clock. I waited a long time, and then by the time it was my turn in the queue, there were no tickets left. I think it was the New York Attorney General's office. Great work, especially the Southern District, if you're ever uh, following that line of thing. What percentage of tickets... Would you believe, Darren, end up, on average, they just followed all sorts of ticket companies, all sorts of concert companies, all sorts of venues, and then they came up with an average of those, what percentage of actual venue tickets end up truly available to the general public? Not a broker, not a side door, not a DG knows a guy at Walnut Creek. No, available to the general public, what percentage of, of 100% would you guess are actually, on average, available to the good people? Just the commoners like us out there. What do you think? Would it be something like 50%? You were more accurate than I was. I actually thought it was going to be they withhold a third and two-thirds yeah. for the common man and woman, right? You're actually right. 46% of concert tickets are available to the regular Joe. 54%. So less than 50. And, and wow. again, it varies a lot from venue to venue, act to act, sports to concert, etc. But the rule of thumb on average, as studied by that account or attorney general's office, 54% end up in people's hands through other routes, 46% the old-fashioned way. That led to a lot of consumer complaints. So if you're wondering why Congress is discussing sports tickets, it's hidden fees, it's monopolistic behavior, it's price gouging, it's you got to give up a lot of information before you're even told what the actual cost is. There are a lot. The Ticketmaster COO 
is in front of a House committee actually saying that her company is in favor of total ticket price and being transparent about that, disclosing it right from the outset uh, rather than at the end of the purchase process. But people are mad, and, and this has been building for a while. That whole Live Nation merger about a decade ago, I mean, it's like, it is incredible. You know the Jerry Maguire scene that I like so much uh, where he's promising Rod Tidwell what he can get? Can you do it, or would you have to call up the audio? Could you, could you be Jerry Maguire? Or no, would you I have don't to call know it word up? for word, no. Because he, wa he wants to get to the point where Rod Tidwell is making the catch in the Super Bowl, you know, after a commercial that shows him endorsing that, you know, the, the ultimate, ultimate relationship between agent and player, right? I will not rest until I have you holding a Coke, wearing your own shoe, playing a Sega game, featuring you while singing your own song in a new commercial starring you, broadcast during the Super Bowl in a game that you are winning, and I will not sleep until that happens. All right, now... I'm a business owner. I'm a little jealous of this, and I am also angry as a consumer. Because think about this. Do you see the name Live Nation a lot, Darren? Do you see the name Ticketmaster a lot? All right. Imagine those two monstrosities and them getting together, which they did. And this is what happens nowadays, and this is, again, why Congress is debating such things. If you are that monstrosity of a company... You actually can get involved by the core of Live Nation's business is concerts. So you make some money there, although the profit margins are not as, as large. They often own the venue where the sporting event or the concert is. So now you're getting the food, your chunk of that, parking, and other VIP packages. So you're selling the ticket to the concert. You're getting your chunk of the hot dog and the beer and the luxury suite and the parking. You are also now partnered with the large ticket company. So you're getting the chunk of the ticket sale itself. You sell sponsorships at your arena. Isn't this, isn't this Jerry Maguire feeding Rod Tidwell? They have more tentacles than an octopus. The Live Nation Ticketmaster monstrosity gets you at the concert level, the parking level, the hot dog level, the beer level, the parking level, the ticket percentage level, the sponsors you see in the arena level. They also have relationships with U2 and Madonna and Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus and Lil Wayne and others. So they're getting a chunk of that action. And... They have extra deals with people like you 2 where along with, uh, I think they have a po partnership with Jay-Z and Rock Nation as well. That is Jerry Maguire-like octopus tentacles all over the sports and entertainment world. And that kind of monopoly or something like it is what leads to hidden costs, it what, what leads to price gouging. It's what leads to, you better carry the X I want you to carry. You better use my ticket service, otherwise you're not getting this act. That level of corruption is in front of Congress, and theoretically, they will go to bat for sports fans and concert goers in a way that leads to a system that makes a whole lot more sense. Rick Bennell on the NBA and the Charlotte Hornets.
and all things association related. He is a fantastic contributor on such things for the Charlotte Observer and its website, charlotteobserver.com. Could LeBron catch Giannis for player of the year? Could Zion Williamson catch John ja Morant for rookie of the year? Who's worth watching besides the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks? And what's up with Malik Monk? You remember the names O.J. Mayo and Tyreek Evans? They recently violated the NBA's anti-drug program policy, and they have never been seen again in the National Basketball Association. I think Mayo is still bouncing somewhere overseas years later. Will that be the end result for Hornets guard Malik Monk as well? We'll find out with Rick Bennell next on the David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your phone calls a little bit later. College hoops, NFL, NHL. Sports tickets being discussed by the United States Congress. That's not something you get to say every day. Joining us now, one of our favorites on all things NBA. Find his work in the Charlotte Observer and at that fine website. The Hornets have an unusual suspension. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, and others seem well positioned in the stretch run of the regular season. Zion Williamson is playing at an elite level after finally getting on the court as an NFL rookie for New Orleans. LeBron James looks amazing even at his more at his more advanced by NBA standards age. Some think he could even catch Giannis Antetokounmpo and add another player of the year award. Rick Bennell, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm great, David. I Quite frankly, I think what you just rattled off is every, just about everything that's interesting in the league right now. <laughs> well, unless you added the Kobe Bryant memorial service, I thought Michael Jordan did a good job. He's not the greatest public speaker in the world, but he seemed authentic. Uh, he joked about himself being moved to tears and contributing yet another crying meme to the social media world. Uh, what were your thoughts after seeing really uh, the huge, the whole sports world get together uh, as Michael and Shaq and others stepped to the microphone and paid their respects? I think we saw a very unguarded Michael Jordan. Um, you know, I see, I, I get to see that guy every once in a while, David. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, talk about this, like, you know, two human beings, not one guy who everybody in the world knows his face and his name. I, I think it's very complicated to walk through life as Michael Jordan. And I don't mean that he isn't blessed right? and that we wouldn't all trade our troubles for his. But what I mean by that is because I've had these conversations with him, there are times when he has said something to me in a, in a, in a, like a kind of a private conversation, and I've said, you know, you want to say that to the world. And I've heard him say generically, it's very difficult for me to do that, and I understand that. Yeah. Um, because everything he says gets scrutinized and parsed and often misinterpreted phonically. I mention that because we saw a very unguarded, very emotionally driven person that day, and that's what makes him such an interesting guy way beyond the basketball talent. 
Well said. Rick Vanell is joining us. Follow Rick on Twitter at Rick underscore Vanell. Find his work in the Charlotte Observer, of course. Is there any way LeBron can catch Giannis Antetokounmpo? And the reason I ask is that my understanding as someone who's a little into metrics, but certainly not an expert, the Bucks are still great even when Giannis sits on the bench for a while, statistically. The Lakers look like a possible lottery team when LeBron goes to the bench statistically, and yet they're dominating when he is out there on the court. Is that enough, along with his numbers, of course, to make it a close call down the stretch, or is this just going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo as the NBA MVP? David, the question you pose is legitimate in the sense that I think that sometimes most valuable could be defined as least replaceable yeah having said that and the particular people we're talking about because i've seen i've seen three bucks games this season there's a reason that Giannis is sitting around <laughs> a lot in the fourth quarter and it's because Giannis is on that team <laughs> <laughs> that's well put yeah and statistically of course he, he is i mean pardon the pun a freak well, you know, a friend of mine, Steve Ashburner, writes for NBA.com, is actually writing a story about that. Um, the, the amount of fourth quarter minutes that Giannis doesn't play, partially because they're just so good at, at creating insurmountable leads. What Steve's going to write about, and I think this is very interesting, is is that going to have a really significant back-end value to them in the playoffs? Basically what Steve's writing is, you know, load management is happening organically for the Bucks. Rick Bennell joining us on the David Glenn Show. Follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Normally, you would never think of somebody who missed half a season as a candidate for Rookie of the Year. But it's fun for us in these parts when somebody in our neighborhood at least has a shot at it. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon from UVA won it a couple years ago. Kyrie Irving of Duke uh, many years ago won it, and there are plenty of others. Chris Paul, for that matter, from Wake Forest uh, a long time ago. Zion Williamson has proven to be a spectacle. He's fun to watch. He's producing fantastic numbers. When you only play half a season, is that too much of a deficit? Or if John ja Morant's Memphis team misses the playoffs and somehow Zion rallies the Pelicans to something positive, you know, is there that snowball's chance for the former Duke star? First of all, I think John ja Morant was so good, so quick. And the idea, you know, what I'm saying is if the whether or not the Grizzlies closed the deal on making the playoffs, this has been a spectacular and totally unexpected successful season for the Grizzlies. So I would have a hard time for that reason, not giving it to Moran. Yeah. Having said that, just to sort of, you know, address what you were saying a minute ago. Imagine if you were sitting around a lunch table with five national NBA writers and you said them to, to them a month ago, Hey, Pelicans are going to be in the playoff race until the very end. Right. Imagine the chortling laughter <laughs> that would have started. That's how much this guy's presence has totally changed the game. You know, um, Tom Haberstrow is a really interesting sort of out-of-the-box thinker. Yeah. I thought he had the best description I've heard so far of Zion's impact on an NBA game. He described him as a dramatically more athletic Zebo. 
And I thought that was really interesting as far as they don't have to run plays for Zion. He just goes and gets the ball, and if it doesn't go in the first time he throws it up, he's such a quick jumper, he just gets it again and puts it up and gets it again and puts it up. And in the end of the day, without taking away any offensive opportunities from anybody else, he just piles up the box score. There has been a fun kind of beyond basketball story out in L.A. where the Clippers add Marcus Morris. I think that was in a buyout situation, if not a trade. And then soon after that, the team they share the Staples Center with, uh, the Lakers add twin brother Markeith Morris. Now, we didn't see as many dominoes fall at the trade deadline as we thought, maybe. But there's always the buyout market after that. And it's fascinating to me how some of these buyers can kind of upgrade even with just role players. Uh, what do you think? Were they joking when they said they might live together, by the way, as, as members of opposite teams? And beyond that, you know, was it the Clippers or the Lakers or somebody else who upgraded themselves most here in recent weeks? Well, you know, you were talking a minute ago about local angles on national stories. Marvin Williams has immediately had an impact on the Bucks. Yeah. Um, which, which, if you know anything about Marvin, doesn't surprise you at all because he is an incredibly smart, adaptive guy. And so for him to see which situation he'd have a chance to help from afar, sign up with that team, immediately figure out a way to fit in and be useful, there's nothing about the 15 years that Marvin spent in the NBA that should be a surprise about any of that. Um, but, you know, the, the, the uh, the Morris Twins being out there, it just further amplifies something that if you have, if you if you're a, any kind of a core NBA fan, you've been thinking about for a while, which is that we're all just waiting around for that Lakers Clippers right. Conference Final. It's so true, and that's going to be must see TV, man. I mean, I I can kind of leave the NBA on my back burner, unlike you, of course, given your neck deep in it every day, and I just sort of warm up to it gradually as as March Madness you know, is my main focus for a stretch when it comes to basketball. But certainly when we get to the point, I, I might even say the conference semifinals, Rick. I, I mean, whether I'm thinking East or West, to me, that's going to be must-see TV because we're going to find out, like, you know, if the, if the Sixers are a fraud, uh, we're going to find out, you know, how far the Rockets can go. It's more. It, it, I agree with you. Lakers-Clippers would probably be the best example of must-see TV beyond maybe the NBA Finals matchup that we get. But the Final Eight certainly projects as looking pretty compelling too, right? Yes, and of course, I think the reason that you're kind of a reluctant NBA fan right now is because if you're a Sixers fan, it's like waiting around for the end of a, of a really bad buddy movie when you know they're going to drive off a cliff. Yes. Just trying to figure out when and how. I totally agree. <laughs> yes, yes. You're so right as you usually are. And, Rick, you cover this all the time. I can't think of an example in any sport that I've ever followed where the difference between home and away is more extreme than the current Philadelphia 76ers. And that is a red flag the size of Wisconsin. And I don't understand it. How can you, what are they, something and two at home, but they're below average on the road? It's crazy. David, you remember that expression, adversity doesn't create character, it reveals it? Yes. That team doesn't like each other. <laughs> 
and it shows up on the road, I guess. But they're, they, they're talented enough to overcome it as long as they have the crowd behind them. I, I'm saying when you, when, you know, when, you, when you put dressers on that team, it shows that they're not really together. True. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the really marked difference in chemistry right now between the Celtics and the, the Sixers, I don't think that – I mean, I'm not, and, and when I say this, I'm not implying the Celtics don't have a lot of talent, but I don't think in a fantasy league kind of way, I don't think anybody thinks the Celtics are more talented than the Sixers. It's well put, yeah. But, but just the opposite is true as far as what the, the results – you know, they're, and the Celtics right now are more than their collective parts, and the Sixers are dramatically less. Absolutely, positively on point. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer to the Hornets. I remember when O.J. Mayo of the Bucks ran into the league's anti-drug program, and in his case, and I think it was indefinite at first and then longer, and he has never come back. He's bouncing around overseas leagues uh, all these years later. Hornets guard Malik Monk is for now indefinitely suspended without pay for violating the league's anti-drug program that was created back in the uh, early 1980s. What do we know about the details here? I mean, is this young man going to be okay? Do we even know anything beyond the the statement? Uh, And in the broader sense, could this be something that means he never comes back, as has been the case with some others? You know, David, we don't know a lot. And, And in a way, I think that that's commendable. And here's how I mean that. If there's anything in in the NBA hierarchy that should be treated with great care as far as people's right to privacy, it's something like this. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, as as you indicated with your question, the fact that this was not, you know, he was not suspended for a finite amount of time. Like the last time this happened with a Hornet, it was Al Jefferson who got popped five games for. I mean, they didn't use the word marijuana. Right. But you right. Look at the, the league policy, whenever anybody gets popped for five for exactly five great games, by default, you know that that means that there were multiple failed um, tests regarding pot. Right. Um, the fact that there is this open-ended quality about it, I, I went around to several people, executives from other teams, and just asked them, what do you think this means? And people gave me a reaction that not only is this a little bit serious but the only conclusion anybody could draw without knowing particulars is this is the league's way of saying to him you're going to have to demonstrate to us that you've got yourself together this is not just going to be a finite x um the burden uh, is on him to demonstrate to them that he should be you know brought back from time out and I really like the way, you know, I, I think I've told you how much I like the way that James Borrego manages people. Yeah. I thought the tone that JB set last night when he had to talk about this was really well put. When he said, this is a lot, a lot bigger than whatever bind this puts us in as far as who to play at shooting guard. This is a life thing. Things yeah. happen to people. And you find out, you know, you find out how the, you know a lot more about how they respond to these situations yep. than necessarily what happened. Um, it, I can tell you because I did a one on a long one on one with Malik real quick a week ago. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Go ahead and wrap up. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, that he he understands that he needs to do a lot of growing up, and he has turned a corner in that way. And I I hope he's more defined 
by what it happens going forward, not going backwards. Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. As always, thanks for your time. We're back after this. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show. Hour three begins with more college basketball, more NFL updates, a little Canes, a little NBA, why Congress is dabbling in the sports world, maybe some J-Lo and Shakira leftovers. It also includes your calls, questions, comments, complaints, 1-800-849-2761. Rick Bennell's in the books. You can be next on The David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Moo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show.